Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hi! Welcome back into the Force to Punt podcast. I am your host, Steven Serta. Thank you guys for joining us. Each and every week, I know this week is probably a bummer. Uh, it's definitely been a bummer for me. I would imagine it's a, it's been a bummer for a lot of you fantasy owners out there. Uh, obviously, week two was pretty devastating to your fantasy roster. I am joined, as always, by my guy, Dusty Likens. Dusty, what's going on? Just a tough week all around, like emotionally um spiritually i mean it just all above you know i mean the top three picks and probably most average drafts um either aren't gonna play the rest of the year or aren't playing until at least week six yeah i had saquon barkley in multiple leagues um it's absolutely devastating news saquon of course tore his acl over the weekend and it it really sucks because not only that, like, not only is he coming off of a down second year, I had expectations for him, and I, I talked to our, our buddy Ben Heisler over at Sports Illustrated. Me and Heisler had Saquon as our number one running back headed into this year. Like, I was banking on Saquon really turning a corner, that Giants offense turning a corner, and him being, like, a bona fide number one running back. We didn't even get any production out of him. <laughs> like, that that's, what, that's what's an even bigger bummer, like, at least if he would have gone off week one, you know, I would have won a fantasy matchup in all likelihood. But I lost week one because he didn't produce very much. Now other guys on my roster didn't produce. That's obviously not all on him. But you didn't get anything from Saquon prior to injury. So that that in itself is even more devastating. But you know, I, I hope that he comes back healthy and that he is the stud that we know he can be. But, yes, absolutely devastating devastating across all of fantasy football as were a lot of the other injuries that we saw over the weekend. You also get to figure out like which guys or gals in your fantasy league are ruthless because there's some people that, you know, may not have had an injury, but they know that somebody in your league did and they're just going and swiping running backs off the waiver wire so that you can't have them, which is a bold strategy. I like it. I dig it. 
it's also kind of a good move because you don't know how many points some of these guys are going to get. We'll get to those guys in a minute to maybe salvage you through the rest of the uh, next four to five weeks. If you had McCaffrey or, you know, if you had, uh, you know, Mr. Brown and uh, LA that we were both big on last week and now there's a new guy in that involved. But I mean, I think it is kind of crazy, like how much it was impacted this week. And I think the waiver wire was a really, I don't know, what would you say? Probably the most, the hottest, the waiver wire's been at least, I know since we've ever done this, where at least I've been involved in fantasy football. Yeah, and so some people are still waiting on waivers. Like, I, I still have a league where waivers don't process until Thursday morning, which is super annoying. Most of them go through today. So a lot of you yeah. probably already saw your waivers. Uh, hopefully you managed to land Mike Davis. And, and so I, I do want to talk about that that strategy a little bit because obviously there's – Derek McKinnon, there's Daryl Henderson, there's Joshua Kelly, there's Mike Davis. Like there, there, there's guys that you want to go out and get on your roster right now. And if you are one of the lucky few who did, you're not thrilled that you don't have CMC for at least a month. You're not thrilled that you don't have Saquon Barkley for at least a month. And, you know, Devontae Freeman signed with the Giants yesterday. I'm not excited about that at all. Devontae Freeman was terrible last year. So he's a guy that needs to be rostered, but he's not a guy that I want on my team. Like, I'm not juiced about Mike Davis either. At least with Mike Davis, you know, they already said, like, it's going to be Mike Davis. And they don't they don't really yeah. have anybody else. And so you can at least hope that Mike Davis has, like, weekly touchdown appeal, hopefully. Because he's certainly not going to do what CMC does for you. But at least with McCaffrey, you know you're going to get him back at some point. But... Right now, my strategy moving forward is not I have to sell off everything to have a chance. Like, I have to go, okay, now I got to make trades. Now I got to try to get a running back because what you're going to find and. Okay, sorry, there was breaking news there for a second. I thought that was I, I thought that was a lot worse than what it said. A.J. Brown uh is not at Titans practice today, but it said breaking AJ Brown out, and I thought it was like saying he was out for the season or something. And I almost had a That's panic fair attack. To assume that. <laughs> yeah, I almost had a panic attack because I've got AJ Brown all over the place too. Uh, Breathe. But so as I was saying. And that's going to be something to monitor because there's there's a real chance he doesn't play again this week. So so if you got AJ Brown in your lineup, keep a close eye on that. But my my strategy moving forward this season, and as I was, you know, being a devastated Saquon Barkley owner, also a devastated Paris Campbell owner who I have everywhere in every yeah, league I'm in, I have Paris Campbell, and he went on IR, but they're saying he could come back later in the season. They just have not put any kind of timetable on it. He didn't tear his ACL, which is great uh, if you're a Paris Campbell owner. Luckily, in all of my leagues, I've got IR spots this year. That hasn't always been the case in the past, but we added them everywhere because of the pandemic and the uncertainty. Of if a player tests positive, things like that, you can put them on IR. And so I do have Paris Campbell on an IR. I'm going to try to hang on to him because he looked like he was going to be the Colts' top wide receiver prior to getting injured in week two. And it's just devastating because we got such a small, small sample size of what he could potentially be. But I, I think my strategy moving forward, and as I was running into on Monday morning where, you know, I'm checking the league for who's who's loaded it running back, who who's got a guy that I can I can trade this wide receiver for, this tight end for, this backup quarterback for, 
and try to get some kind of value in return. And what I was running into with everyone is, oh, I lost a guy too. Or I've got a guy who's already questionable, who's already injured. I don't know if I feel comfortable moving. So now you're running into the two fantasy owners who don't even want to make trades. It's not that you're you're unwilling to deal because you're going to have to overpay a little bit. It's just that now you straight up just have people who don't want to make trades because they're scared of more injuries. And so you kind of have to pay up on the waiver wire for these guys, but I'm not really willing to pay a huge amount of my fab budget for Mike Davis. And so I know Mike Davis is going to be like the number one ad in every league in all likelihood, unless you're in a league that's just not very deep. And there's, you know, Joshua Kelly still out there, which you should have picked up Joshua Kelly last week. Joshua Kelly should hundred should be rostered in a hundred percent of leagues. He's got weekly fantasy upside, but so moving forward, if you're not going to be able to make trades, you just have to make the best of what you got. And so I'm not willing to spend money on Mike Davis necessarily. I am willing to spend money on a player like Russell Gage, who looks like he is the legitimate third option in that offense. And Julio Jones is coming off of a just horrendously bad game, but he said he re-aggravated his hamstring injury. He's not practicing today. They're saying it could be something that potentially keeps him out this week. So Russell Gage has a lot more long-term upside, in my opinion, as a potential fantasy sleeper than Mike Davis, who you know is going to get the work for the next few weeks. But as soon as Christian McCaffrey's healthy and they put him on IR day, so he has to miss at least three games, as soon as Christian McCaffrey becomes healthy, Mike Davis loses all value. So rather than spending up big for three weeks of Mike Davis and hoping he just helps me weather the storm, I'm still trying to invest later into the season because I have enough faith in my ability to play matchups, which is what I'm going to have to do moving forward as opposed to just locking my studs in my lineup. I'm going to have to be a solely matchup-dependent fantasy player moving forward, and I'm willing to spend money on guys with a lot more upside than Mike Davis, like Russell Gage. Yeah, and hold on, I got to sneeze. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, allergy season. No, I kind of agree with that strategy, but I kind of go the opposite way a little bit because I was one who I did lose McCaffrey in one of my leagues, one where I've I've been pretty successful in. And it wasn't like I was hurting terribly at running back, but I also have to know that in ways to be successful in these fantasy leagues is that you do have to look at it. You can't just focus on week three. Like I get it. Like that's cliche, but like you have to start understanding like when buys start to happen and when that waiver wire has got an option for you to get somebody, it might cost a little bit of money now, but down the road, it might not cost you as much. So when there is a guy out there like a Jarek McKinnon, who I know there's a couple of people out there, experts that know way more than I do, that think even though he might be the feature back in San Francisco, he's going to be the only back that's really going to get any touches because even though he might be limited because of injuries in the past, like I still think that like putting a lot of money on somebody like that is worth it because of volume, of shares, of touches. Like the Niners are going to be bad real bad because they're they might as well just pack it in for the rest of the year but the thing about it is the fact that they have to give the ball to somebody and his volume just absolutely screams crazy there and also i think daryl henderson's kind of in that same boat so like when it comes to spending money i think that you have to get it right which is something of importance at this stage of the season because like you i'm with you sir like one league i'm just gonna have to play 
matchup per week, try to get it right, put these guys in. And that's why those value picks that we talked about earlier in the season around like the eighth and ninth and 10th round, like where you can sneak a Darius Slayton or a Deontay Johnson before people can get them. Those guys are now going to become number one wide receivers in their offense. Like I'm pretty sure Deontay Johnson's getting all the tar. I think he leads that team in targets and yards. And I think Darius Slayton is the only giant receiver slash player that's still standing. So like, that's another part of like your system where you can save and, you know, keep your money and wait to a little bit later and trust in your guys and play matchups because those guys can now become really valuable as well. If you drafted, right. Well, and it's just, so I, I disagree with the Jarek McKinnon thing a little bit because I, I, I think that Jarek McKinnon is similar to Mike Davis. Now Jarek McKinnon has looked great. I think he's more talented than Mike Davis if he stays healthy. But what we know about San Francisco is that they're going to use multiple backs. And so they still have Jeff Wilson there. And Jeff Wilson's a guy who got a fair amount of work last season. And at one point when they were injured, when they were dealing with running back injuries, he was their legitimate goal line back. And so when Tevin Coleman got hurt, um, you know, Jarek McKinnon didn't see enough work for me to say, he's got to be my number one ad. I think he's got more upside than Mike Davis because he's explosive and he's athletic and he's in one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL that even with a bunch of injuries, like, you know, those running backs are just going to produce because Kyle Shanahan's going to scheme it up. So I want Jarek McKinnon on my roster, but I'm also adding Jeff Wilson, who's a guy you can add as a cost-effective piece who who brings you weekly goal line upside because Tevin Coleman's going to IR. It sounds like Mostert might not, might not go on IR, but he could be out multiple weeks. So those are the two guys you want in that offense, and you know both those guys are going to get carries on a weekly basis. It's just the frustrating part about this is, you know, you you draft your studs in fantasy, and you always want to hit on the sleepers who turn into studs. Like Calvin Ridley has been an absolute monster so far. He's the number one fantasy wide receiver. So if you got Calvin Ridley on your team, you're, you're thrilled. And it was like that last year with Chris Godwin. But – you have to be able to do this on a week-in, week-out basis where you look at your lineup and just say, you know, I, I just I, I got I to gotta take this guy out because he's got a rough matchup, even though I know him to be a better player, and put this guy in who might only get five targets, but he's got a 70-yard touchdown upside if he, if he booms. Like, you just got to ride with the boomer bust mentality each week, and that's going to be really important. Like, I did... I did in one league, the one trade that I could manage to scrounge together was trading DJ Chark for Antonio Gibson. And I'm not thrilled about that trade. It's just in that league, I happened to trade David Montgomery for Darren Waller last week, which seemed like a perfectly fair trade. And Darren Waller looks like he's an absolute stud. Like he might, it might be Kelsey Kittle Waller this season or, or it could be even Waller could jump up to the number two if Kittle doesn't stay healthy so so that looks like a fair trade and on paper I'm not upset about it but looking back on it now I'd be a lot more comfortable if David Montgomery was my number one running back moving forward because I lost Saquon Barkley and so I had to replace that like I'm rolling within this league right now I'm rolling with J.K. Dobbins, Antonio Gibson and Miles Gaskin as my top running backs after Saquon Barkley went down and and it's just, and and I Gibson, it's just, I had to roll the dice. I don't want to trade a proven commodity like DJ Chark. I think he's an incredible player, but I had wide receiver depth and I had no running backs. 
Gibson was the only guy with any type of upside that I could that I could get an offer for. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. I mean that's the the trade strategy that is. I mean, I think that trading fantasy football is already uh, you know, scammed as it is because so many people that when they draft these teams, they like instantly fall in love with their roster and they think no, if they get rid of somebody, they have to get something that just completely blows them away. Uh, that DJ chart trade is, I just know that kills you deep inside. I just, I know there's something inside of you that just is screaming lonely, but um, I'm not happy yeah, about I mean, it. No, I, I can tell. And now, and now um, I've got Julio on my team and now they're saying this hamstring injury is more serious than they thought. Well, you thought, you thought Cal Ridley was good last week. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it is tough. And, and, and the way that sometimes you have to trade, is sometimes it's unfortunate that you have to give up more than like maybe you even can sit there and realize what you have to give up that you're giving up too much. But, you know, I've always said the first four weeks in fantasy are really, really important because it's before the bye week start. It's as clean as your roster is going to get. Well, if your roster is like yours, Jack, and it's completely blown up, you got to do whatever you can to get it back to where you can at least like patch it together, get through the next four to five weeks, and then try to start thinking about the next part of the season. But, yeah, first four weeks are rough. If you can make a big trade or you can do something that just really benefits you for the next two to three weeks, and then you can kind of, like, put it together after that, I'm all for that as well. So let's take a quick look at uh, some of this week's top matchups. There's some absolutely incredible games on the schedule. It's not just the Chiefs-Ravens Monday night football, which I'm sure all of us are going to watch. It's Going to be the best game of the season, hopefully. I hope that it's like the Rams and the Chiefs from 2018, and it, and it genuinely could be because that's how talented both these teams are. Uh, but before that, I want to get to my, my second favorite game of the week, the Cowboys at the Seahawks. Now, so when I'm talking about chasing matchups and playing the matchup wide receivers, this is the type of game where I would take a chance on some of those guys because the Cowboys secondary – is just bad. They let Byron Jones go in free agency. Their their second best cornerback, Cheeto Owuze, I think is his name. Okay. He's hurt. He's likely not going to play in this game. And their secondary's already been bad. They've already been getting torched by everybody that they've played so far this season. And now in come the Seahawks, and Russell Wilson is just destroying everybody. He's trying to go on this MVP campaign that he absolutely deserves. And this game this game has potential to be the highest scoring game of the week over the Chiefs and the Ravens. Like it, it should be phenomenal. It's literally the number one game written on my notes sitting right next to me. I knew that was where your head was at. Um yeah, this is one of those games where like, you know what? Maybe you play a Michael Gallup and maybe he gets four catches for a, you know, buck 20 and a touchdown because guess what? Seattle's defense isn't the same defense either. Like Pete, Pete's going out there chomping gum, not wearing masks, and just putting up 37 a night and just saying, if you can outscore us, then you can beat us. Uh, and so the problem with Seattle, too, isn't even necessarily that they have a bad secondary. Seattle just has one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL. Yeah, like Qu Quentin, Quentin Dunbar, uh, Shaq Griffin, and Jamal Adams. Like that sounds like in Quandre Diggs. That that's a really really good secondary. They just can't get after the quarterback. So everybody that goes against them has plenty of time to throw. So yeah, I absolutely love Dak Prescott this week. Obviously, you're playing Zeke. Obviously, you're playing Amari Cooper. C.D. Lamb 
has been better than Michael Gallup so far this season, which kind of hurts me. I love CD, but I, I was really banking on Michael Gallup taking a huge step. And Michael Gallup hasn't been getting enough targets, but I feel like in week one he had that 47-yard completion called back because of a shoddy penalty. Like I, I feel like we're talking about Michael Gallup a little bit different if he ends that game with 97 yards instead of 50 yards. And, and he wasn't great last week. But Michael Gallup's too talented of a player not to break out of this offense. Like This offense is just too good. And it can support three wide receivers. We saw it support three wide receivers last last year. And Dalton Schultz is even potentially in play this week because he got a lot of targets from Dak Prescott last week. And Seattle, going back the last couple of years, is one of the worst defenses in the NFL at guarding tight ends. So so, so he's in play. If you're, if you're a tight end needy team, if you're like me and you waited forever and you rolled the dice on Chris Herndon, Dalton Schultz is a guy you need to get on your roster. Yeah, this game just... I mean, what do you think this is? You think this is truly in fashion, a 42 to 45 style of game? Yeah, I think it's straight up like the Cowboys and Falcons were last week. Oh, man. And maybe we're going to start seeing that from the Cowboys this year because you and I both were big on Dak. But, yeah, I'm like you. Start Dallas. Start. I mean, I just, I mean, you want to talk about a game where DK can really show the world what he can do. This could be a big, 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 big game for DK and nightmares for those of you going against him. Uh, and – so as far as the Seahawks go, obviously you're starting Russ. Obviously you're starting DK, who's been an absolute monster. Tyler Lockett's been great. Chris Carson hasn't been getting as many attempts because they're finally throwing the football like they should be. But he did catch a touchdown last week, and he's been involved enough in the passing game. You're starting him every single week. I, I mean, in this game, because they're going to pass so much, I wouldn't play Carlos Hyde. But I think that... There's a possibility Carlos Hyde's worth rostering. I know Rashad Penny's going to be back later in the year, but there is a chance that possibly Carlos Hyde's worth rostering in some of your leagues because I don't think, I still think that Pete Carroll could wind up reverting back to this run style game. The first game that their pass, passing offense just doesn't click the way that it has been. The first game that they struggle a little bit, I could totally see Pete just reverting back to his old school. Oh, we're just gonna we're just gonna pound the football. We're gonna run thirty five times. Well, that would suck. I hope he doesn't do that. Um, I don't know, man. It seems like a different style of team in Seattle. It seems like maybe like a torch got lit, but you know, Russ is cooking. I think is the is the big hashtag so far in the NFL because he's clearly the MVP favorite right now. Uh, Lamar's there. Obviously, Patrick will probably get there in a little bit. But I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think that Seattle, I think the way they keep passing the ball almost plays, I really like. Uh, I mean, Chris Carson's kind of disappointing, but I feel like they will figure out how to get him involved a little bit more in pass game because, like you said, he had a touchdown last oh. week. They might also have Josh Gordon back at some point this season. Can you stop? Like, I'm not saying go add Josh Gordon. I did add. You are, though. In, you, my, you in my DynastyOwner.com league, which is a salary cap league, I did add Josh Gordon because he costs very little, and I just threw him on my bench, and we're just going to kind of see how that goes. But I want I want cheap pieces of what looks like one of the best passing offenses in the NFL right now, and I never thought we'd dream of the day where we could say that about Seattle, but it's unfolding right in front of us. Hey, now that you say that, and the only reason I say this is because I saw his face on the, uh, on the, on the app when I was adding players, um, with injuries keep piling up like this, is there any chance that Antonio Brown gets looked at? 
Um, I mean, not at this point in the season. He's suspended okay. for half the season, and he could actually he's get miss half. He could actually get suspended even longer. So I, I don't yeah. think there's any chance anybody looks at him. Like, I guess there's there's a possibility that maybe somebody looks at him down the road, but I don't think that there's no reason to look at him right. Okay. I just didn't know like what his stance was like if he had to miss like more than half a season. Yeah, like I could see the only way I think Antonio Brown plays this season, which he's he's still his eight game suspension came from some some other stuff, and then he's still got more issues that he could that he could be suspended for. So he could have more games coming at yeah. some point. But the only yeah. way I could see him landing on a team is if like he gets reinstated post his eight game suspension and there's a playoff team that has a significant wide receiver injury and they really need help there. Like, that's the only way I really see it happening at all this season for Antonio Brown. Yeah, well, anyways, uh, so you got to pick your first game that you were excited for. This game I'm super excited for, and that's the Bills versus the Rams. I like it. I think this is going to be an ugly game. I, I don't think Why? this is a, ga- a game where I'm going to be rushing to put my put, you put, should put those guys into my fantasy lineup. I mean, it is it is Goff versus Allen. First off, I think Allen is playing like he's pissed. I don't know what it is, no. but I asked people. I mean, he, he played garbage he's teams in week one and week two. Okay, well, he's hey. playing the Rams, and he's going to have big Aaron Donald coming after him, so that's interesting. But Stefan Diggs has been amazing this year. He and Allen are connecting, and I really like the way the Rams have been playing. On, I think it's fun. It'll be interesting to see how they use Daryl Henderson. I think it's interesting how they keep using Robert Woods and Higby in those offense. Cause like Higby's kind of woke up last week. And I think that we realized that Jared Goff finally found that connection again, because he targeted Tyler Higby all inside the red zone every single oh. time. And they lit it up and they were successful that way. And I think this game has a potential to be a kind of, I have two sneaky games. This is one. And then there's another one we can talk about a little bit later, but I think this is a game that can be kind of like you say, it could be kind of slow. I think at first, and then once, like, the nerves rattle off and they realize where they're at, I think this is a game that could just be, like, you look down at the bottom of the scroll or you're on red zone. It's like Cooper Cup, 65-yard touchdown. Oh. You know, and then next thing you know, it's it's Stephon Diggs, 54-yard touchdown. Then it's Daryl Henderson, 20-yard touchdown run. It could start to get into that kind of feel for me. I just I, – I, I'm just not willing to invest heavily into this game. Like, I, I will say – the Rams have been a lot better than I thought they were going to look. Like they they've looked a lot better than I than I anticipated they would this season. And they're over under right now set at 46 and a half, which 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 is reasonably high. That 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 that's a decent number to try to hit with these two offenses. And I'm not saying they can't do it. Like the Bills defense I do think is really good, but they also let Ryan Fitzpatrick throw for over 300 yards and two touchdowns last week. And, and the Dolphins came back and you know, made that made that a close football game. It, it's just the Bills haven't played anybody for me to really buy into. You know, Josh Allen, week one, first three hundred yard passing game. Week two, first four hundred yard passing game. That's all great, but they played some some awful teams, and so I, I'm not buying into that. I am buying into the Rams defense. So the Rams defense has looked a lot better than I anticipated it looking. Uh, you know, even with Aaron Donald, the last couple of years, their defense has just been kind of average, and their defense has actually been impressive this season i know they let the eagles come back a little bit in that game but they were in charge they've been in charge of both their games against the cowboys and the eagles in week one and week two and i i think we could see more of that this week where it's not clicking for the bills right away because the rams are by far the best defense they've played so far this season 
and we could see some of those Josh Allen struggles kind of start to creep up because he's had mistakes in week one and week two. He's had terrible misfires still because we know that's what he does, and he's had bad fumbles that didn't hurt them at the time. But the Rams' defense looks good enough where if you make mistakes like that, the Rams are going to capitalize on it. And so I I do still like this game. I think it's going to be an entertaining game to watch, but like I'm still rolling Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs out there. I don't trust Devin Singletary yet. I don't trust Zach Moss yet. I like John Brown, but I like John Brown as a matchup play. I'm not rolling him out in this game. And as far as the Rams go, like I would play Daryl Henderson in this game because Malcolm Brown's hurt now. Cam Akers is hurt now. Daryl Henderson looks like he's going to be the dude. And I'm not completely against Jared Goff, but Robert Woods is likely going to see Tredavious White. I don't want any of that matchup. I'd rather have Cooper Cup going uh, against their slot corner, which is a much better matchup than having to go against Tredavious White all day. And Tyler Higby, the, the Bills have been a, a top five unit against tight ends over the last couple of years. So I would play Higby, but I'm not thrilled about it if I can find a better streamer. All right. Well, after you shredded my game apart, go ahead. What's another <laughs> game you're excited about? I just, I just tell you, man, it's, I, it's going to be, I think that's going to be a fun game, but it's not, it's not a game that I'm, I'm desperately trying to get action in. Uh, I just like how all your stats were like up to date. And then the last one was just like, I'm not like thrilled on Tyler Bigby because the bills have been good on tight ends on defense for the last three or four years. Uh, I mean, well, I said the, I said the last couple of years, uh, they've been good against tight ends so far this year and they were good against tight ends last year. So I, I don't, I don't love, I don't love Tyler Higby and Tyler Higby did nothing in week one and then had the big game last week. So if you're ready to go all in on Tyler Higby, that's fine. Maybe I'm wrong about Tyler Higby. I'm just being a little cautious. But that goes against what I said earlier in the episode, which you got to roll the dice. So put Tyler Higby in your lineup. Yeah, just don't do Chris Herndon. Yeah. Well, yeah. Don't don't do that. It's been it's been bad. Uh Adam Gase, I hate you. I hope you get fired midseason. Uh, next game that I am thrilled about, though, and you should be thrilled about it, too. I'm sure you're not, but you should be. Thursday night football, baby. The Miami Dolphins at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Beard versus the Stash. I want action in this game. Well, you can't get DJ Chark action because you traded him away. Yeah, I know. Thanks, man. I'm still uh, upset. I'm still upset about that. And Chark actually hasn't. He, he's gotten very few targets in week one and week two. He did look explosive last week. He left the game for a little bit uh, with an injury that he's dealing with, so that's something to monitor, but it doesn't sound super serious, so hopefully he's okay. Uh, You know, the Dolphins have been a disappointment so far this year. uh, Some of it's Fitzmagic. Some of it's their roster overhaul hasn't quite worked out the way they were hoping it would. Uh, Byron Jones has been banged up. Uh, Zavian Howard has been banged up. It's just they don't have a pass rush at all. Gardner Minshew has been absolutely fantastic. Gar- Gardner Minshew is playing himself into, you know, top 12 quarterback weekly starter type of guy. And I think that he, I I've, I would feel safe playing him in this matchup against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Um, I like this game to be one of those just sloppy, doesn't make sense game, but there's just a lot of value out there. Uh, obviously you like Minshew and shark. I think that there's a lot of action there. Um, I'm big on uh, Gusecki this game, and I don't know why, but I just feel like this is one of those games where, like, he can really strive. Like, I feel like he could have, like, a five for 52 touchdown 
type of outcome with Fitzmagic in this game. And I just think it can be one of those random, not like last Thursday night's game, because that was just more one-sided, but like where it could be like a 35-28 type of battle on a Thursday night game where everything this year is just completely screwed up and traveling obviously doesn't matter anymore. So now it's just everybody's on a different turf because there's no fans anywhere. So, I mean, yeah, Thursday night travel short week still kind of sucks, but I mean, with the conditions, I think it still makes it for just more of a sloppy, lots of value type of game out there. Yeah. Tyler Eifert did score a touchdown uh, last yeah, week. Was- so, and Mike just said he's a much more talented tight end than Tyler Eifert is at this point in his career. Yeah, I don't um, understand why Tyler Eifert like is stealing touchdowns in 2020. Well, they the Jags just don't have another tight end. Yeah, <laughs> they just don't. I think their other tight end is former Chief James O'Shaughnessy. I like that. Hey, um, is this a sneaky good game? Or are you all in on this game with Pittsburgh versus Houston? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm about it. Yeah, I think I'm kind of. I kind of am. Cause it's a noon game that Bills Rams games, a noon game, then Dallas Seattle play at three twenty five, And then you can kind of breathe after a little bit and then you slide into Monday night. But I feel like there is, I feel like there's a conversation that goes on with the, with the whiteout situation in Pittsburgh. Well, so, you know, I love Deontay Johnson and the Texans just look like a bad football team. And I know the Ravens didn't pass much on them last week, but it's because they just didn't have to. They were just, they were just running all over them, and that that's sometimes the Ravens play into those games. That's why Hollywood Brown's going to be up and down. You know I love Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson broke out last week. He looked solid week one. He led the team in targets, led the team in targets in week two, and really broke out. Uh, Chase Claypool had an awesome 84-yard touchdown. Chase Claypool is a guy that I want to add in every league where I can get him. Um, yeah. He's not somebody I'd play anytime soon. But he's a guy that I I would put on my bench as like a bye week fill in. He's like a he's this year's like Martavis Bryant. Like he's got on a good matchup dependent week. You got bye weeks or you're dealing with some of these devastating wide receiver injuries. Chase Claypool's a guy who they're just putting him out there a handful of times throughout throughout the game and just saying go deep and Ben's just chucking it up and giving him a chance and he can break one off. Like he he's just he's not he's a tight huge. end. He's huge. He's huge. Like. <laughs> He's like he's like six six, two hundred and forty yeah. pounds, and he ran a four four. Like it's unbelievable. He shredded that guy last yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. He's ridiculously fast, and he weighs two hundred and forty pounds. Like it's unbelievable. Uh-huh. Like that's like we we talk about how big DK Metcalf is and how dominating he is. Chase Claypool's even bigger than DK Metcalf and runs as fast as DK Metcalf does. It's just unfair. Yeah. And Juju, like, Juju's going to have weekly upside, and I still think Juju's a really good player. So, like, all of those dudes should be in your fantasy lineup. And same's go, same goes for James Conner, who the Texans have just gotten shredded on the ground, and James Conner bounced back after getting injured week one and had a, a really nice week two. So he's in your lineup. Is As far as the Texans go, I think I'm staying away from everybody in this game. I, I, know, the, I know the Steelers' defense uh, didn't look – as dominant last week, they let Jeff Driscoll get get the Broncos back in the game. But I think that's just because early on, they, you know, all the injuries early on, Cortland Sutton left the game, or Drew Locke left the game. I think that they were just kind of cashing it in the rest of the game. They, they were just kind of hanging back like, oh, we know we got this. It's it's the Broncos. Jeff Driscoll's not beating us on, on a Sunday. And so 
Deshaun's been struggled enough, and you know Will Fuller left the game with a hamstring. He had zero catches last week, so he did absolutely nothing for you. Uh, Jordan Atkins is actually a a sleeper tight end that I actually really like. I picked him up in our guillotine league and started him last week because I uh, was really bad at tight end, and he got a, a good handful of catches. Like like in a PPR league, he's got some value, so I I don't hate Jordan Atkins if you're. If you're having some tight end issues, I think that he's a guy who's probably available on virtually all of your waiver wires. So I would pick him up and play him. He's got he's got some fancy upside. Noah Fant had a nice game against the Steelers last week. Um and Brandon Cooks led the team in targets, but I just don't I don't trust Brandon Cooks or Randall Cobb or or Kenny Stills at this point. I don't really trust Deshaun or David Johnson. Like the Steelers run defense is still fantastic. So I don't really want to play David Johnson. I would seriously consider benching him. I understand if you're dealing with injuries, you don't have a choice and you just want him to hopefully like fall in the end zone for a touchdown. But I would seriously consider benching David Johnson this week. Yeah, I just like Deshaun on Houston. Uh, I think David Johnson's probably at this point like a, I don't know, but if he's a must play, but I would assume if he's on your team, there's probably not many other options at running back uh, since the waiver wire is so thin. So he might be a play. Um, definitely don't like Brandon cooks, but I just like, I like the receivers in Pittsburgh. I like Connor and I like big Ben a lot. Um, you know, Houston's gotten shredded for 30 plus in two games so far this year. And if Houston's going to make it a game, this is the week they got to do it. Cause if they lose this week, they've then lost to Pittsburgh, Baltimore and Kansas city. And not only is the division over, but the AFC is like tough for them. Um, uh, the rest of the way. So I don't know about uh Houston starters other than Deshaun. Uh, Watson and maybe uh, and maybe David Johnson, but I do like I do like both wideouts in Pittsburgh. I think, like you said, keep an eye on the big guy on the outside. Then James Conner can also be a good play. Uh, and that's just, you know, I didn't have a lot of faith in the Texans headed into this year. Uh, all the moves that Bill O'Brien made, I don't think made them a better football team. I think they downgraded pretty much everywhere, and mm-hmm. they they paid they paid a bunch of money on their offensive line. And their offensive line looks as bad as it's ever been. Like, like I just don't think the Texans are a playoff team, and they've had no other team has had as brutal a schedule to open the season as they have. Like having the Chiefs, Ravens, and Steelers, all three playoff teams, all three potential, you know, AFC Super Bowl contenders. Like that, that's just a brutal stretch to open the season. So we might see them turn a corner. But I have no faith in the Texans at all right now, and that includes Deshaun Watson. I would rather play Gardner Minshew than Deshaun Watson. Damn. <laughs> I The stash has been good, man. He's been really, really good. Like, Deshaun just hasn't been that great. Uh, another game that I want to get to before we get out of here is the Green Bay Packers at the New Orleans Saints. I should have made this bet on air. Uh, we, we talked about it ahead of Monday Night Football. Uh, Alex Gold on Cody and Gold. He he's all in on the Saints. He thinks the Saints are making the Super Bowl. I all off season have been off the Saints bandwagon, saying that I don't trust the Saints at all. They like these games against the Raiders on Monday night. They lose these kind of games every year, where they just show up and they underperform. And I believe that Drew Brees is legitimately washed up. I think that Sean Payton has been masking how washed up he is for the last couple of years because of Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, really good offensive line, and a really, really good defense. So I think that's been masking Drew Brees uh, a lot over the last couple of seasons. And we 
even saw like once he brought in Teddy last year, he started doing some different things and the offense like really started moving more so than when Breeze was in the game because Breeze just has some limitations at his age. And so I don't trust the Saints whatsoever. And after dropping that game to the Raiders on Monday Night Football, if you go out here and lose to the Packers, the Saints are all of a sudden who are supposed to be the best team in the NFC. They're all of a sudden one and two to start the year. And the Packers are three and oh, looking like like them and the Seahawks are legitimately the two best teams in the NFC. Yeah, you talk about two quarterback, uh, two quarterback pass that would change drastically over their narratives of the last two years because what is it? Drew Brees has been the most accurate passer the last two years in the NFL. Now, a lot of that is because the guy he throws to most of the time doesn't ever drop anything. But a lot of people also were saying that maybe Aaron Rodgers was where we're at with Drew Brees. Washed, it's not the same. He's now, you know, come back down to earth. He's not this super elite quarterback. And weeks one and two, Aaron Rodgers has kind of been playing like it's, you know, telling the critics to, you know, kiss him, you know, exactly where. But I'm like you. I think the Drew Brees situation – um, to give it a career analogy is is kind of similar to where Peyton Manning was. And, you know, Sean Payton was lucky enough to where we didn't get preseason. And I remember I remember whenever I watched Peyton Manning in that final year and it was preseason and he couldn't throw the ball 25 yards. And, you know, it kind of clicks in your head. This is a guy you watched their whole career growing up. And all of a sudden you start to see that time is undefeated and, and man has never defeated time. And Peyton Manning that year, it was clearly obvious that they were going to ride the tails of that defense, try to throw the ball on pick screens for five or six yards and try to get eight, nine out of it and just ride that way with Peyton. And it looks like that's what's happening with Drew Brees because, like, people are dropping him in fantasy leagues, which, I mean, I don't know if I would completely drop him yet, but, I mean, maybe not save a roster spot if you had to. But I think what we're seeing with Drew Brees is that the shoulder's done. It's over. Like he, it, it showed it the other night that maybe the first couple drives, it's okay. And then after that, it's, it's done because they started off, you know, pretty good, pretty hot. They looked different than they did against Tampa Bay. And then once that second quarter hit, I mean, they were getting beat by Derek Carr. And it wasn't like Derek Carr was playing like a great game. He wasn't playing a bad game, but yeah, Drew Brees is, he's Dennis Quaid from any given Sunday. He's just got limitations that without Michael Thomas on the field, they can't fully mask anymore. And so the Packers have looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, Devontae Adams, it is worth noting that he's dealing with a hamstring injury now, and there, there is some question about whether or not he's going to be healthy for this game. That completely changes the complexion of the game. I know, I know Aaron Rodgers has been fantastic so far, but this is a Sunday night game, so it's something you have to – really, really pay close attention to this week. Um, You're starting Aaron Jones after last week's Mm -hmm. monster, obviously. And Aaron Jones is good for like a handful of those a season. He did it multiple times last year and he still isn't getting the snap count that he should. And and I I can't understand why, but that's Matt LaFleur, I suppose. Uh, But you have to start Aaron Jones in this game. And the Saints run defense is still really good. I still have faith that it's really good, even though Josh Jacobs had a nice game against him on Monday Night Football. I still think you have to play Aaron Jones, especially if Devontae Adams isn't in this game. Aaron Jones has a ton of passing volume upside. Uh, So I'm still playing playing my weapons in this game, and I I don't think that Michael Thomas is going to be ready to go. Uh, But Alvin Kamara needs to be in your lineup. I don't think you... After Monday's performance from Emmanuel Sanders, you can't put Emmanuel Sanders in your lineup this week. 
Like, it feels like Traquan Smith might be a better option, and he actually had a very solid uh he actually had a very solid Monday night game, and he he led the Saints in targets. And, and same goes for Jared Cook. I feel like you you put both those guys in your lineup before you put Emmanuel Sanders in your lineup because he's done nothing in the first two weeks of the season. Where do we start thinking about Taysom Hill if we're going to start throwing Breeze uh, Never, to the side? Ever. It's going to be Jameis. Jameis is, is going to be their starting He's going to be Willie Beeman? Yes. Jameis Winston is their backup quarterback. Taysom Hill is listed as a quarterback, but he's not really. I just, I want to know like what, because I don't think Sean Payton is there. Actually, I think he is there yet because didn't they like keep their team overnight in Vegas to watch that game again? Um, I think he's frantic and, oh man, I guess we're, do you think we get Jameis? I don't think they're going to bench Drew Brees at any point. Oh, man, I, I think it would take did. Drew Brees getting injured. But it's like, but is it going to be like one of those injuries that like Drew Brees agrees upon, or is it like no, going to be one like, of those injuries where Sean's like, eh, you're you're hurt, just take this one off. Yeah, I mean maybe, but like even looking back to Week One against the Bucks, like I I mentioned it on last week's podcast, the the Saints' offense didn't look good. They scored a lot of points in that game, but it was based off of turnovers and mistakes. That put yeah. Drew Brees in favorable situations where they had short fields and he was able to get touchdowns out of it. Like, I still think they're good at that. I just don't think Drew Brees can drive you down the field the way that he used to because his arm just isn't there anymore. Like, he's a guy that relies on accuracy and tight window throwing. I still think that he's an accurate quarterback. I just don't think he has as much velocity as he used to, so he can't squeeze it into those those keyholes like like he used to back in the day. Yeah, I think it's over for old Drew. I think it's over. So, but last matchup before we get out of here, we got to talk about this Patriots Raiders game because Cam really? is a stud. I've got Cam in a couple leagues. He's a monster. Cam looks like his old MVP caliber self so far. First two weeks in the season. Uh, I don't trust any running back in the Patriots backfield. I do love Julian Edelman moving forward. He's obviously Cam's number one guy. Uh, Julian Edelman's sticking to him like he used to Brady. He made he's he's already made sure him and Cam are best friends. They probably talk every day and buy matching outfits together. You got to yes. have him in your lineup. And the Raiders, like, I'm not willing to bet on any of the Raiders' pass catchers besides Darren Waller, which like Darren Waller, legitimately, is vying to be in that like. I'm the third, second or third best tight end in the NFL right now, depending on what happens with Kittle, because he is getting an insane target share. Like, Henry Ruggs is a little banged up. Brian Edwards, talented young wide receiver, but he's not quite there yet. Darren Waller is their Travis Kelsey right now. And so Darren Waller is an every week, lock him into your lineup, tight end one with all kinds of upside. And Josh Jacobs looks like he is a legitimate number one running back. Like, even... Going against one of the top-run defenses in the NFL last last week, he still looked great. Yeah, I'm on the apology train of people that took Josh Jacobs because I was like, well, if you're in a one-point PPR, I don't understand why you would take him. But again, it looks like he has worked on the pass-catching ability. It looks like they're no matter what, it's just going to be a Gruden offense where they just literally run the ball as much as they possibly can. I tweeted it last week on Monday night, just like kind of like, half-assing it, saying that Darren Waller's going to get 20 targets a game. I don't think it's as sarcastic as I thought it was because I really think he's going to get, like, between 15 and 17 targets a game. 
and as talented as he is and the chip of the shoulder that he plays on, um, the volume for that guy is, I mean, you talk about Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs offense. It's, I mean, it's like that almost on steroids though. Yes. He's getting a ton of targets. He looked like an absolute baller. There's a ton of incredible NFL matchups this weekend. So Just hopefully, survive. yes, weather the storm, get get past the injury apocalypse in week two. Get some cash. Play the matchups. Make a couple of trades if you can. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.